where we won't let the industry tell us what to do, and your success will come in many forms and fashions. This is Real Estate Your Way. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate Your Way. We are so glad you've joined us and really excited about our guest today, Kevin Kaufman. You're going to love him and learn a ton from him. I know that I certainly have. But before we jump in, let me introduce once again my co-host, Mark Dutton. How you doing, Mark? Garrett, I'm doing awesome. Again, uh, I'm, I'm going to let a little secret out that we record these things back to back. I'm on, I think, a runner's high on the in podcast world, right? Like, you know, we we're, we got our stride here. I'm loving talking to everybody and uh, really excited about our interview with uh, Kevin here. Absolutely. One of the things that Mark, you just said was one of the fun things for us and Kevin, you mentioned this too, is we just get to mastermind with really high level thinkers and people that are doing business at a really high level and get to learn from them. And Kevin's certainly going to be a great example of that. I am super excited for this one. Been looking forward to it literally since you signed up to be on this with us, Kevin, weeks ago. So uh, let me introduce Kevin real quick and then I'll let him introduce himself. But Kevin Kaufman is a real estate agent, investor, entrepreneur, and educator. In 2008, he started working with his business partner, Fred Weaver, and started Group 4610 Network. Kevin's the host of a podcast, The Kevin and Fred Show. Quick plug, go check it out. It is genuinely phenomenal. Check it out, The Kevin and Fred Show. And he's the co-founder of one of the largest online masterminds in real estate. It's a Facebook group called Next Level Agents. I'm on that as well. Phenomenal. Check that out. Group 4610 has been named one of the real trends, top 1,000 agents in the U.S., numerous times, and they've continued to grow and adapt with the market. Before expanding his real estate sales team, Kevin was one of the majority owners of a brokerage in Phoenix, Arizona that was struggling and on the brink of shutting down in 2013. Kevin and his team were able to help resurrect the brokerage and in 2016 sell it so he could focus on the continuing expansion of the Group 4610 network and help more agents across all brokerage. And on a more personal level, Kevin and I had the opportunity to do a podcast together a couple months ago, I guess it is at this point, and genuinely just found him to be one of the most uh, honest, wise, and just genuinely likable people that I had met in this industry. So genuinely excited for y'all to meet and hear from Kevin Kaufman today. So Kevin, welcome, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Show. We genuinely appreciate you being here. Dude, thanks for having me. And first, I feel like I should apologize for taking for my bio taking you two and a half minutes to read. Holy crap, that was that was terrible for me to sit through. And so I just apologize <laughs> to the listeners now. But it's a good thing I've set the bar low. We can only go up from here. That's right. I, I next time I'll just say Kevin Kaufman's a dude from Arizona. Be excited. <laughs> He's wearing an LA Dodgers hat. That's all you really need to know about Kevin. But man, so yeah, I did read your bio, but Kevin, what else? What should people know about you, brother? Get us started. Oh man, that's like, that is such a wide open question that could take us down so many different rabbit, uh, rabbit holes that I'm almost scared of at this point. Just Let's roll. Our, yeah. Based on our pre-recording talk, but yeah, you know, it's so real estate. Uh, you mentioned I've got a business partner, Fred and I, we've been working together now for, it's been 13 years this month as of, as of this recording. And, um, dude, it's been fun. We've seen a ton of different markets and, this is the wildest market yet. I think the hardest market yet, actually, um, with just the complete polar opposite. When I, when I hit, when I hit real estate in 2007, I mean, for perspective, there's about 59,000 homes for sale in the Phoenix market area. There's about 4,000 homes for sale today. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's literally just the polar opposite, the two extremes. Um, anyways, that doesn't really tell you what else you should know about me other than, um, 
people told me not to get into real estate. So that's how I knew I was doing the right thing. I let, I mean, cause it was crashing. I literally had friends try to stop me and tell me I was, I had missed it. And so I was like, well, I, now I know I'm doing the right thing. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm always going to go the opposite way of the crowd. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of who I am or, you know, how I tick. Got an awesome wife, couple little girls that are amazing. Um, we like to hang out. We like to have a lot of fun. I like to work. Um, I like to not work. I like, I like to do it all, man. I try to have fun no matter what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, and that's one of the things I appreciate about you too, Kevin. And even doing it at such a high level, you don't take yourself so seriously. Right. And I think that's so important for us to understand like, yeah, you got to work hard, but you got to be able to take care of yourself too and do things you love and, and, and have fun. So you told me it's something that, that stuck out to me because when I got into the business in 2012 or excuse me, 2014, quite honestly, my parents tried to talk me out of it so much. And they, they kept saying, Hey, there's women in our, a woman in our church that we're friends with. She's only ever sold six houses before. We know other agents that really struggled and have gotten out. And, you know, part of my just being naive, I guess, and young, I said, well, I'm not going to go in to get six deals. I want to do a lot more than that. I didn't really know necessarily what it was become going to become. But go back to that time, Kevin, 2007, you're getting into the business. People are telling you not to do it. What drew you to this industry? Why, why did you want to become a real estate agent? You know, I, I had an experience. So I was going back to school. I, was kind of, I had a corporate job and I was, uh, listen, like I didn't finish college. I was always the guy like, I was so lucky. Like I was always so overpaid for my, for my education level and my skill set probably. Um, and I turned, I remember I turned down a big promotion at the time I worked for GE Capital. They, they had purchased the company that I worked for. And, um, I turned down a, a promotion, which was unlikely to even for a non-college graduate to get the promotion. And, and I was like, eh, I'm, I'm going back to school, guys. Like this, what I knew is I couldn't work for someone else. I didn't, I had no clue what I was going to do. But I met this man. His name is uh, Professor Goodner. Uh, and he, I mean, quite frankly, it kind of changed my life. Where I don't know about halfway through the semester, maybe it was even the end of the semester. And the class was on like uh, I think it was on business plans. But he said he came in one day. He said, "We're not going to talk about that today. Uh, we're we're going to talk about money and real estate." And he kind of drew out for us like how he'd been living the rich dad life. Like literally, if you ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad, he'd been living that life, and it he, it blew my mind. And so I, I was like dude, can I buy you coffee or breakfast or lunch or something? And so luckily he said yes. And I'll fast forward a little bit. I took every class this guy taught for the next three or four semesters, which luckily were all about investing in real estate because he was he only taught to give back. Um, and he um, was able to teach actually classes that were certified through the college, but also through the Rich Dad Company. And so he, it was all real estate investing. It's all I, I just soaked up everything he said for like two years. And one day I was just like, I had gone through a leadership, um, like, uh, class, I guess it was like six or seven days long. And I just came out of it, dude. It was heavy weight on me. Like, I can't, I can't keep a corporate, I can't keep doing this. I gotta pursue this real estate thing. And so I, I, I quite literally quit my job, got my real estate license in that order. Cause you know, so naive. Like I had a whole $10,000 saved up. And despite the fact I was six months away from getting married, um, to, to, to my wife who, you know, at the time was the breadwinner as a teacher. And, you know, like, like think about that. It's two and it's 2007, by the way. Like, and so I did, man, I just jumped in and I, I went for it because I knew there, I don't know. I don't know. All I knew is I had to be around real estate. What professor Goodner had taught me was, yeah, you might become an investor and all that, all that cool stuff that you think you want to do right now, but you still have to make money for at least five, six more years. Like you're going to need a job. And so in my mind, what clicked was, 
if I'm going to have to work, I should just go work in real estate so I can be around real estate. I didn't, I had no idea I could run a business as a, as a real estate agent. I, I knew none of that, but I just, so I just followed that. I don't know what it was. And, uh, gosh, you know, here we are. That was two, that was quit my job, April of 2007. Actually, I'm a little slow. It even took me a long time to get my real estate license despite not having a job. Um, I got my license at the end of May 2007. And uh, here we are. Like somehow I made it. Yeah. I mean, so, made it. I mean, like still have a license. That's what I'm, I'm, right, made. I right. haven't made it. Maybe it's clear. Like I haven't made it anything, but I have made it this far. So, so yeah. far. Hey, it's something to be proud of, man, especially in this industry. There's a lot of turnover. So just to make it this far. But Kevin, if you can't, so, so I'm always curious about this, but if you can take me back to when you're getting started, you said you didn't even know you could have a business or anything like that. What what was in your mind? I mean, what was your mindset at the time? Obviously, your your mindset is significantly different now or else you wouldn't have made it this far. But what was your mindset going in? Did you have this unrelenting belief of how successful you would be? Did you just think, well, this better work because that's the only option I have? Like dive oh, into yeah, what dude, you were thinking I, at the I'm time. I'm like, I'll jump in and then like figure it out later. Like I'm, I'm that guy. Like yeah, I'm definitely a ready fire aim guy. And so uh, failure was not an option for me. Like I just, I, I, I literally Garrett, like I didn't even consider that it might not work. I, I, that never crossed my mind that it wouldn't that it wouldn't work out that I wouldn't find a way to make it happen. Um, but what was going through my mind was like, holy crap, dude! I got to pay my bills. Like, I got to find a way to make money. And so, you know, you get a license, and I went through the same feelings and emotions everybody else does. Like, I got a license. Where's all the business? You know, it's going to start falling in my lap now, right? And um, so I went through that. And dude, I, I mean, I struggled like like anybody else. You know, I sold the. I sold a house right away and then sold another house and then sold another house. And like, I, I was doing okay. Don't get me wrong, but I was still having all those same feelings of like, holy crap, how do I make sure this? I didn't even know. I'll never forget. So I used to be a Keller Williams agent, like first 11 years of my career. And there was this class back then called 3612 And they were teaching it at my market center. And 3612 stood for 36 transactions in 12 months doing lead generation three hours a day. So I was in the car with my business partner, Fred, and a friend of ours, Mark, and he, Mark, who's like a big thinker type of blow your mind type of guy. He goes, "Dude, what if it was three sixty twelve three? And I'll ne- I re I remember literally thinking it'd, it'd be impossible. You couldn't sell three hundred sixty houses in a year. Like that would literally be impossible. That was what I thought, and that was my first. Like I was, I'd been in the business like six or seven months at that point, and um, it, then I was like, well, how could you do that? You know, like is that even possible? And Couple of years later, you know, we've done that. So, and, and probably averaged that for quite some time now. So it's, it, I don't know, man, mindset. It's all mindset. I've got a really close friend. His name's Dustin Runyon. Uh, you should get Dustin on the show, by the way. He's significantly better looking, uh, especially for, since there's no video here and, um, smarter than I am. And he, we were texting back and forth one day and he said, you know, it's, it's crazy because success is about, it's probably 80% psychological and 20% mechanics. But when you think about it, most of us spend about 80% of our effort on the mechanics and about 20% on the psychological aspect. So it's, it's mindset over, you know, mindset over what to do or how to do or the, the how to's, if you will. And so I think I just, I knew that I didn't know anything. And I knew that if I was going to figure it out, I was going to have to have a good mindset. So I would just listen to anything and everything that would help me grow and start learning and, Dude, I don't know. Being in that heart of a market, it was actually an advantage. It really helped us grow our business. Fred and I started working together February of 08. 
So I had I hadn't been licensed what six seven months at that point, and we our business took off. I mean, we did sixty deals that year in '08. Most of those were in the fourth quarter because they were all short sales. So like everything closed from October on. And when I say everything, it was like 40 of the 60 transactions closed in the fourth quarter. And it was just kind of, we were off to the races at that point. And we're really lucky, man. I just got in front of really good people who started kind of giving back to us and were big thinkers and kind of titans of, of the industry here in Phoenix. And because we taught them how to do short sales, we were doing short sales. And we were, because I'm stubborn and unwilling to follow rules and directions, we were good at short sales and we were willing to share how we were doing it with everybody and it just opened doors for us. Mm-hmm. So what I what I love too about that is number one, I hear the humility of, yeah, I didn't know anything. And so I needed to go learn things, right? And a lot of people are unwilling to do that or they hit a, I always find it interesting. It's like a point in our life, we're going through school, we're forced to, or we go to college or whatever. And then we leave and most people are like, okay, I guess I'm done learning. And they just stop. They stop pushing themselves. They stop reading. They stop listening. They stop learning. And really that should be the beginning of the journey, right? To now, I mean, I've learned significantly more in seven years of real estate than I ever did in my entire life leading up to that point. And, but that's a purposeful choice. So if you have, uh, Kevin, for somebody that's listening right now that says, yeah, okay, I totally get that. Mindset is everything. I believe that, whatever. Where would you have them start? What, what would you say to that person? If they say, okay, I want to really work on my mindset. What do I do now? What would you tell them? Anything, because because their person is probably not doing. They're probably not doing anything, right? They're probably so like. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy, but I'll give you a real life example. I will not bore you with this story, but part of my story is is like a is a journey of health, right? And um, came from you know my fam, lots of unhealthy family members. I was four hundred pounds as like a twenty one year old, like just and so I will, we won't go into that. But as an example, when I want to like really get better or learn about something. When it's on health, like fat, like I've been fasting for the last almost eh, since last May, and it's totally changed so much for me, business and and health wise and work, what you name it. And so when I feel like, man, I got to, I just start listening to books or some of the podcasts on fasting, or when it's about mindset, like I just start making sure whatever I'm going to let in, it needs to be something in the direction of the where I want to go. Right? It can't be like I'm not going to just. I'm not Netflixing and chilling over, you know, to, because I had a bad day. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't do that on a bad day. Like, I'm not saying I don't listen to the music. I love music. And sometimes live music is the thing that does, or music is the thing that does it for me. But when it's, when I need to go in that direction, I just go, I think of it as like categories. Maybe it's health, maybe it's business, maybe it's mindset, maybe it's, um, I don't know, something different, man. Like, I live, like in the last few months, I've, I've, I've dug into Brene Brown's work so much more. Um, and just trying to understand my, I've really tried to understand myself as a person and my beliefs as a person for the last couple, last probably 12 months or so. I've really tried to dig in more and find out why do I think what I think. And so, because if I know that I want to do that, so like I know that I want to, I want to find out why I believe what I think I believe, like, then I need to listen to something that can teach me about that, right? If I wanted to learn about cryptocurrency, I should probably go read some books on cryptocurrency. If I want to learn about people that are successful in real estate, like the how-tos, and I should go read that. And if I'm just like, I need to make sure mentally I'm doing good, like then I know the books that I need, I need to go to, right? And maybe it's something from just a leadership talk, and maybe it's a dude. Like I, I came up listening to um, Carlton Sheets. Yeah, like I'm not like I'm a realtor. Like I'm not a no money down guy. But it's that mindset that actually helped me a ton in the short sale days. 
it's it's that way of like there's a creative solution here and I'm in charge and so I'm going to find the way. So whatever that is, maybe it's listening to the biography of Elon Musk because the guy thinks bigger than anybody, right? Maybe it's something like that, but it's it's just find something and then go down like follow that path. You know, that's it is so true where you, you're going to get out what you put in, right? What you're feeding your mind is going to create uh, what you're going to act and, and how you're going to think, and it's going to shape you in a big way. And I think the there's the dichotomy of that, though, right? Where you've got the other side of that is a lot of people like to learn, learn, learn. Like, I need more classes and more information, but they don't do. Obviously, you didn't lose the weight from 400 pounds, by the way. Awesome. Congrats. I I. Would love to hear that story at some point. That's inspiring. And you built a massive business and you didn't just wish it into being like you put the hard work in. So how do you balance that of like learning and applying? Cause you have to apply the right mechanics in that 20%. And so how, how do you uh, motivate yourself to do with what you learn? I don't need, I, like, I don't need any motivation, man. Like, like I want, I like nice things. Money does not control me, but I want a lot of money. And because I know what I can do with it, right? So I'm like, are there days I feel unmotivated? Sure. But, um, I don't, I don't know. And I don't think I've ever really had, I've, I'm, I'm someone who's always wanted more. I've always wanted more. I came from a very low middle, like, like middle, uh, middle class, low, lower middle class family. Um, you know, I don't think my mom ever made probably more than about $40,000 a year. And so like what came from that, like we always had to be scrappy. We had to make it work. And I, but I always had dreams of something bigger. Like I always knew something bigger would come. And so I, I don't know. I just always keep chasing it. Um, and I always try, try to keep learning. Somebody, I always hated the term learning based. I hated it for some reason. And, uh, it's like probably the same reason I hate the word culture. And just like, like I hear people say it and they use it. And I'm like, yeah, like it's so, you know, it's not, it's not true when you say it. Like, you know, I'm not really getting, it's not authentic when so many people say it. But I remember I signed up for a class one time. I, I forget what the class was. And a friend of mine was like, dude, that's what I love about you. You're just so learning based. And I was like, Oh, that's what that means. All right. Well, now I've got a new meaning, <laughs> meaning for that. And like, yeah, I, I just, I want to learn more if it can help me. I want to learn about things that can help me get better, be smarter, make better decisions, help someone else out, something like that. But from a motivation standpoint, I think maybe I'm lucky on that. Like I've never really, I don't, there hasn't been many times in my life I could think about where I had to look for motivation. But, uh, and I think you're a good example though, Kevin, of, I know a lot of people that are very motivated and have no clear direction though. They're, they're running all around. They'll do anything and everything, but they're doing all of it at once. And so none of it actually works because they're just so motivated without a clear intention of what they're trying to do. What you just said, it sounded like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you want to understand a topic, you just go learn what you need to learn about that particular topic. You are focused, though you are very motivated naturally. When you learn, you don't just go read this and then read that and read whatever anybody gives you. You're focused in on, I'm going to be intentional. I want to learn about fasting. I want to learn about growing my business, whatever it is. I'm going to go yep. learn what I need to learn. Is that right? Is that an accurate description of how you've done this? Yeah. And sometimes it's like, I'm just going to listen and see what comes to me, right? Um, like one thing I've done a lot of in the last year and a half, two years is scheduled time to just think. Like my business partner, Fred, and I just went outside and walked for literally an hour talking about some things that were thinking of nothing to do with our business. And just some couple of things that we're trying to learn on, learn about. And we, we have scheduled thinking time in our calendar. Um, so side plug, read the book, uh, The Road Less Stupid, if you haven't, by Keith Cunningham. We're, uh, quick side note, he's actually, um, spoiler alert, he's actually a rich dad. 
or he's one of two people that really are rich dad. Like, um, I didn't know this until after I met the guy. Um, but he's actually Robert Kiyosaki's books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was based on, Rich Dad was actually based on two different people. Keith is one of them. At any rate, I digress. So, um, thinking time, because sometimes I just need time to think like unplugged, not, not think, not, not worried about anything, not checking emails. I just need to unplug. Um, you know, a question you, you asked a second ago, Mark, that I, I didn't answer was, one of the things is people, I've always been like, if you guys, you guys probably, well, Garrett, you know who Mo Anderson is, I'm sure. Like she always said, pray, but move your feet. Uh, I'd always other have other people who were like really spiritual say something like faith without works is dead or something. And for me, it was like, don't just sit around and watch the secret and think things are going to change. Like, cool, watch the secret, but then freaking go do something. And so like, I'm not, I'm that guy, like just, just please go do something. And if it doesn't work, stop doing that and do something different. Like be, <laughs> yeah. Be well intentioned, be, be smart enough to know it's not working. Be also dumb enough and simple enough to know sometimes you just need to, you need to just keep going. Right. And it's, it's kind of a fine line. I think that's, that's hard for, for a lot of people to grasp. Well, I think I just had something click into place here when Garrett was clarifying what you were saying. And I think it is people do a lot of things that don't produce anything because they overthink it. And I and I have a tendency to do this even. But you are just such a like bull in a china shop. I'm going to go do this and figure it out as I go so you don't overthink it and that's why you get results. So, I don't know. I think that that just kind of clicked in place for me as I was hearing what you were saying and and comparing it to what I see. And that's uh that's a a good reminder and a good challenge for myself too. So, yeah. Can you share some times Kevin where that mindset has got you into trouble and other times where that mindset has really worked out well? Well, dude, I've, question. Only, I've only got like another 20 minutes, so I don't think I can share all of the trouble times, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but dude, I, yeah, like to talk about going back to the early days, like short sale, to, I, I mean, yeah, they get, it's got me, I mean, I thought it was going to get, get me kicked out of Keller Williams Realty, to be honest with you. So I literally, because of my dog on a bone. I'm just going to go and figure it out and keep going. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I like, cool. If we got to fight dirty, I'll take off my gloves and we can fight dirty. That's cool. Um, Chase bank had threatened Keller Williams international that they would number one, remove all REO accounts and think about this time in history. This is like 2010. So the only thing on the market are short sales and REOs. They right. literally threatened, and I guess actually two different banks did this, but Chase was the bigger one. Um, threatened to remove all REO accounts from Keller Williams, all Keller Williams agents across the entire country and not do any short sales with any Keller Williams agents across the whole country. <laughs> if I didn't take down a video, totally blasting them for something they had done to some clients. And all I was doing was sharing the truth of what happened. Like I went, like I'm, oh yeah, like, that was not a pleasant time. Like I, I, you know, I had a guardian angel there save me there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, cause I'll, I'll just go like, cool, let's, let's go, man. You want, like, you want to get dirty? Like I'm going to fight for my client or you're going to, you're going to fight for yours. Like I'm going to do what's right. Let's shine a light on this right now. Like I'm that guy. Um, I will, I will just go until sometimes too far. And that time we definitely, I, I still say we did the right thing. Keller Williams did not do the right thing and neither did Chase, but that's okay. We all got what we needed out of it. What did you learn? I mean, what, like that example. So that know, was my first that, experience of politics at a high level that I couldn't take, like disgusted mm -hmm. me. Like I couldn't take it both from the bank, from Keller Williams, from, um, just the way things are done and like the expectations that we have on ourselves as people from, um, 
from society, like societal norms that really are, you know, they're, they're BS. And yet we all have to, we have to live by them because of how we're going to get judged or perceived or whatever. That honestly, that was one of the things that really kind of grossed me out. I don't see a future in politics for you, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I, here, but here's the thing. I know that about me. Like I was, I'm always like, dude, like I, if, if I was the president, you for sure have to take away my Twitter account. Like for sure you have to take it away. <laughs> Hell, if I ever make it to the point that I get to buy the Dodgers or the Lakers or the Raiders, take my social media. I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, take it because I will get in trouble. I am way too into, I care way too much about things. And, um, I also don't care what other people think way too much to where I just, yeah, politics is not going to be my forte. That's for sure. <laughs> You're doing just fine where you are. But so, so go back to that experience for me real quick, because so you get knocked down, you know, or, or something happens, you at least slow down and there's all this hubbub about what's going on. Once that passed, then what did you do? How did you respond to that? What came next? There's this, there's this giant chip that tends to reside right there. Like it probably just fed into that. And I was like, I'm a little more of like, fine, I'll just prove you wrong. Like, so, so in my last year, one of the things, one of the things I've had to learn about myself in kind of exploring why I think what I think and trying to, trying to explore that further is, um, uh, thus far I've operated a lot on wanting to prove somebody or something or prove them wrong. Right. Like, I'm the guy that wears flip-flops and shorts or jeans. I just don't care what you think, you know, and I mean that, that we created a brand around that. Like if you can see that, I know we're not recording video, but there's a little logo right over my head. If you could see the other side of it, that's being blocked, there's flip-flops in it. We're, we're just those guys. Right. And so like for sure. And that helped us get to a certain point. And what I've realized is while having that chip on my shoulder and having something to fight against the David versus Goliath, if you will, however you want to call it, needing a fight, um, got me to a certain point. Being effective is more important to me than that. And so I've, I've definitely had to adjust that. And it's probably more relevant for me right now than then, than it was back then. Like, did I learn some more about business? Did I learn how to navigate some stuff? Did I understand a few more landmines? Yeah, I did. But truthfully, not well enough because I still am just going to be the, I think it was Mark called me a bull in a china shop. Like I'm still going to be that guy. Like that was still my forte uh, and still the way I was going to go about succeeding for a long time to come. And I think though, so that brings two things to mind. Number one, I've said this before on the podcast, but Winston Churchill said success is going from failure to failure without loss of motivation, without loss of enthusiasm. That's you. That, that was you. And then point number two, one of my favorite animals to talk about as an example of how we should act in business because the people that aren't running that fast are the ones that are afraid that they're going to fail. And guess what? You're going to fail. <laughs> yep. There's no opportunity. If you're going to succeed, you have to fail a ton of times to figure out what you did wrong. But the rhinoceros. So the rhinoceros can run up to, I believe it's 35 miles per hour. That's how fast they can go, which is terrifying. But they can only see 15 feet in front of them and they can't distinguish between like a human and a tree or something like that. Terrible eyesight, right? But they run full speed and they are documented that if they hit something, they fall over, they get back up and they get back into their top speed right away, even though they can't really see where they're going. 
And that to me is such an example of if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, Kevin, you are a great example of this. You run full speed ahead. You may not know what's coming. You hit a wall and you're like, "Uh oh, I fell over. Let me get back up. And you know what? I'm not going to run slower because I'm scared of what's coming. I'm going to run just as fast and I'm going to keep hitting walls until eventually I find that, hey, now I have an open field. And I think you're a great example of that, that story, that, that, uh, um, metaphor, that idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I always use the term like, like run through a wall, like some things just run through a brick wall for it's cool. Like, and one thing I've learned as I got a little bit older and hopefully at least a little bit wiser is like, sometimes you could actually just like sidestep the wall. (laughs) Like you don't have to hit the wall. You could actually just sidestep it real quick and then get back in the same, you know, so I've learned that, you know, one of the things I've learned a lot, um, I've tried to learn a lot about psychology, both for myself and for other people. And a lot of us, just this is just human nature, right? We we resist change. We resist learning things because um, even when things are good for us, like deep down, it it um it means we have to be different than who we think we are, right? It means that we have to admit that maybe the decisions we made to this point, while they might be good. Especially, listen. We know we both. We all. We all know a lot of people that are doing really good in life. Like they're doing really good. It's not where they want to be, but but life's really good. Especially when you compare it to the rest of the planet, right? And so when we're doing really good, it's hard to admit that there could be something better out there. Even though we say we want X, we want to we want to have X Y Z, right? We would then have to admit that the decisions we've made are actually wrong. Right. Like internally, that's the language. They're not necessarily wrong. They're just no longer the most right decision for us. Right. It's like a, like a friend and mentor of mine always says, like, everything's a great idea until it's not anymore. And then one day something's not a great idea anymore. And that's okay. But I think so many of us hold on to it because it was a good idea once. And we, so we've made these, we make these decisions or in, we make these lives and these businesses based on the, um, based on a decision we made one day. Right. And it's usually, especially as entrepreneurs, right? A lot of us have made that decision based on never again. Like I joked about the chip on my shoulder. It's, it's, we made a decision based on never, like I'm never going to have this happen to me again. I'm, this, this will never happen to me again. I'll never let anybody do X to me again. I'll never not be my own boss again. I'll never not make under six figures again, whatever. And so we, we build these lives around these decisions that we made one day that served us then and maybe aren't serving us to the highest level as they could be right now. Yeah. That All definitive that say, thinking. I'm hard headed and I'm trying to not be as hard headed. You're, you're like a rhino with a juke move. You know, you step over the wall every now and then. Ironically, I've, I've got like pretty quick feet and for as large of a person I am, I'm, I'm fairly quick and, and can move like that. Yeah, I've, I've surprised a few people. So yeah. The question is, can you see 15 feet in front of you? That's uh, the question that I think you know, we're all wondering. It depends about. if I get to wear my glasses or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. No, but I, I think that's there's so much wisdom in that too, Kevin, is we do tend to hold on to things that, hey, I this is what I said I was gonna do, so I'm just gonna do it. And and help me distinguish because there are times where no, you need to hold on to that. You need to keep working. Like it's not time to give up on that idea. You just haven't found the right way to get there. But as you mentioned, Kevin, there's other times that we need to say, you know what? That's what I thought was the best idea at the time. It's no longer the best idea. And holding to that is actually causing more harm than good. So I need to adjust. I need to pivot my business. How how do you distinguish between those, those different times that arise? Dude, I think that's the magic. Like, that's the art of this all, right? Like, this isn't just a science. Um, 
like one plus one always equals two. We know that, but there's also an art to it. And there's maybe it's being real with yourself and observing. Like uh, I was talking to an agent yesterday who was telling me a story about a cross sale agent that they were working with who was very just obnoxious. And they had this, they had this very contentious situation and the agent said, well, I, I know I'm just, I'm a dynamo. She's like, no, I, I know you think you're a dynamo, but you're really obnoxious and, and really offending everybody that you come in contact with. Like literally everybody in this transaction is mad at you and is frustrated by you and you've caused everybody more work. You're not a dynamo. So understanding the reality of what, what the, the feedback the world is giving you is super important and super rare. <laughs> like most people won't slow down to take the feedback. Gary, Gary V is always talking about like social media and it's like, dude, it's true. Like if your content's really good, it's going to resonate. It is like, yeah, but oh, I'm posting all the time and no one's responding because you're posting that no one, stuff that no one gives a shit about. Sorry, by the way, you can edit me out if that's not allowed here. Um, but the, that's the reality is the world is always giving you feedback. Are you listening to it? And so knowing when to take the feedback and, and knowing when to trust yourself, I think that's, that's part of that is an art. Part of that is intelligence. And, and part of it is like not having such an ego that you think you know everything and having, yeah. if you do think you know everything, making sure you're surrounded by people who you know know more than you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a delicate balance too, because you 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 have people who are are saying, "Hey, you know, you don't have to listen to the the negative talk. You don't have to listen to the negative people." There are a lot of insecure people who who say some pretty jacked up, untrue things about you because their own issues. But the problem is, there's probably still some truth in there. And if you're a teachable person, a coachable person, you'll take that and you'll 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 not let it offend you, but you'll let it drive you to be a better person. Yeah, there, there's always a nugget in there. It's like. Listen, you can be the smartest guy in the room, but if you're the emperor with new clothes, like there's a problem, right? <laughs> and so many people set up their life, especially when they need to be really successful in business, that they are the emperor. And so they might think that, hey, I want the people around me to give me, if you don't give, if you do not empower people in your life to give you a freaking gut check and hold the mirror up in front of you, you're going to like, it's just not going to be as good as it could be. Now, some people make that look really good. Some people still become multi-billionaires doing that and being the emperor and nothing wrong with that. Good for them. But what they're doing is they're shorting themselves and the world and the people around them from what they could be because they're unwilling to have let anybody speak into their life. And so on a much lower level, I mean, think about it. Like if you, like if you, if you have to always be right, you always have to have the final say and be, be the smartest guy or girl in the room. Like you got to, you have a problem. You have, you have a problem and you're ruining people around you. You're ruining relationships. You're creating, you are creating divide. You are creating uh, politics around you. Like the more successful you are, the more, the more political it gets around you. And even in your family and your friends, and it's stupid because you're just robbing from everybody including yourself when you do that. So you've got to be willing to have someone in your life that like, like Garrett goes, dude, why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? Like, you got to be willing to allow, like if Garrett calls me and says that, I got to be willing to go, hmm, like what is, like what Garrett might have a point here. What is he pointing at? Like, what is it that, what is it that I could learn from this? Even if I'm mad or I don't like it, got to be willing to do at least like you said, Mark, take that one sliver um, because we, we've got to have feedback. We have to have the feedback. We can't let feedback control it. 
We can't let what the masses do. Like I said, I always want to go. I always want to go the opposite direction, but we have to have some feedback that we allow to get in and that we act on. One of the things I I talk a lot about with businesses that I coach is that every employee you have has to have a, a, a solid feedback loop because if people aren't getting feedback, they're wondering whether or not they're doing something right, you know, or, you know, so they're, they're, they're more concerned of questioning than actually going forward and dealing with whatever needs to be dealt with. So it's just healthy conflict and everybody needs a good feedback loop in their life or you're just going to be stagnant or going backwards. A friend of mine who's been a, I've hired him to coach me. He's been a friend. He's been a mentor for a long time as well. Um, his name's John Cheplock. He's, he, I've got these, I literally have this saved. It's always in my email. It's always on a notepad on my phone on, or a notepad on my computer. And it's leader, I call it leadership questions. It's these are questions that facilitate growth. It's okay. When there's a problem or something is going on with someone else or something in my business or my life, questions are, what did I do to create it? What is it here to teach me about me? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to change it? What could I have done different? And then John's like final point is like people who are elite, they don't blame everyone else. Like go, okay, cool. It doesn't mean it's other people don't have fault and don't do wrong, but you have to go, okay, what is my, what is my piece in this? And I think maybe it's just because that's the journey I've, I've tried to be on quite a bit in the last year or so. Um, especially the, you know, more than last year, but heavily more in the last year, just trying to figure out where, you know, where can I change my reality? Cause I want more. I definitely want a whole lot more. I'm happy. I, I like, it's like I'm satisfied with what I have and where I'm at and I want more. Yeah. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur too is, you know, we don't, we don't want to be dissatisfied with what we have. We want to be content with what we have, but we know comparing ourselves to ourselves and what we can be. I need to go further than this because I can. I know that I can go further than this. And, and everything you just said, Kevin, reminds me, Dave Ramsey's, one of his famous quotes is, here's the truth. You're the problem in your own business, but yeah. you're also the solution. And that applies anywhere. You're the problem with your own health, but you're also the solution. You're the problem in your own marriage, whatever, relationships, but you're also the solution. We do tend to become victims because it's easier to be a victim instead of saying, that's on me. And the only person that I can control is me. I can't control what you do. I can't control how you respond to things. I can't control me. And so I'm going to focus on what did I do? How did I precipitate that? What can I change? And I think your story is such an example of just personal growth. You know, it's not about and and hear me the right way. Anybody who's listening, hear me the right way to say, it's not about becoming a better real estate agent. I don't mean that. It, it is about becoming just a, a better and deeper and, and smarter and wiser person than you started, right? You want to grow from the yeah. point you are today to where you're going to be. You're only going to go in your business as far as you grow. And you might be a real estate agent. You might be something else. It doesn't matter. All I know is the people that we talk to, like Kevin, that are doing this at a high level and the people that are doing it at an even higher level than Kevin, those are people that have grown themselves significantly. So they have the capacity to do big things. And most people instead will say, well, I want to be like that. And then they'll blame everyone around them for why they haven't gotten there. And I can guarantee you, anyone at that level is not the person that takes time to blame everyone. They're the one that says, tell me, how do I get better? How do I learn? How do I grow? How do I go further? That's where success comes. That's the reality of if you really want to understand how to do business your way, you better daggone learn how to be the best version of yourself, that, to, to have the thoughts and, and all the opportunity, the mindset, everything that's going to drive you, the motivation, as Kevin talked about, you got to learn to have the right 
to build a big business. Yeah. And, and I, Kevin, you're a great example of that. Dude, I think, but first of all, thank you. Like that's, it's humbling to hear you say that. Like here's one thing I'll, I'll say. And, um, people like, as I've, as I've, as I've dove into, to psychology more and why people make the, why we do what we do, right? The decisions that we make. One of the things I've learned is people have their identity wrapped up in what, what we, we have our identity wrapped up typically in what are we doing right now? And when we do that, even if there's something that will get me closer to my dream or my goal, whatever, like let's use business, right? It'll, it'll take me from netting a hundred thousand to a million as an example. Cause, cause in business, that's, you know, those are two big numbers that, that you hear a lot. Even if someone puts me something in front of me that would help me go from A to B, like we're going to push back on it because the, the, the bigger challenge here is that I'm, I'm unable to see outside of my, my current, my, my current identity. And if I can't see outside of my current identity, that means in order to do this thing that might actually help me get to where I want to go faster, or at least to where I said I wanted to go, I'm going to have to do something different. I'm going to have to do something that's totally different than what I've, what I've said I am and what I said I do. And that's uncomfortable. And psychologically, whether we realize that at a conscious level or subconscious level, like it's our inability to get outside of those comfort zones of what we do every day and who we are and who we think we are in our community, in our family, in our business stops us from doing the things we need to do to get what it is that we really say that we want. I want I just want to point out you've there's been so much here, but I think that the piece that I want to point out and that I'm taking most away is Kevin, you keep talking about who you're transforming to be and how it impacts not just yourself, but you're robbing yourself from the people around you. My passion yeah. in leadership is because leaders have the capacity to impact more people. But it starts in their own families, starts in their own communities, and then the people they lead and over, like, you're, you've got a trickle, trickle down effect. It's not just the direct relationship, but, you know, when you rise up and become a, you're impacting the people around you, you're giving more. And I love, I can see your motivation being so much bigger than what you're building right underneath of you. Uh, and, and that is so important. And that is why we want you to succeed in life. It's not just for you to have a bigger paycheck or have a more comfortable life, but there are so many people around you that your energy, your positivity, your drive can impact people to accomplish more and benefit their lives. And I, I'm seeing you embody that, Kevin. And, and, Thanks, and of all the awesome things you said, uh, that's one thing I want to make sure everybody takes away. Uh, I appreciate that, man. That's uh, it's definitely what I'm, what I'm striving for. Yeah, for sure. And, and the truth is, Kevin, we could just talk for hours and hours and hours. But uh, as we kind of bring this to an end, and, and again, this is definitely an episode I'm going to go back and listen to a couple of times because just so much good. It, we didn't even talk about real estate because again, at the end of the day, we didn't. <laughs> tell, tell, but tell me someone who is growing themselves and I'll tell you someone who's going to be successful in real estate or whatever business. I don't care what it is. Yep. That's what I look for. I look for that person that's willing to grow. So Kevin, how can our listeners learn, learn more about you and what you do? Oh goodness. Um, podcast. I think you na- you said the name of it, Kevin and Fred show. I, I particularly like an episode I did, uh, it was November 30th, uh, masterclass on referral psychology with Garrett. Uh, that was best seriously one ever done. No doubt. Yeah, clearly. Best guess. <laughs> yeah, like clearly. Gary V is a number two only to you. Yes. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. So, no, can't but, even spell his name right. It's Garrett. The, the, uh, <laughs> the, the Kevin and Fred show, uh, the aptly named, uh, podcast, uh, on Facebook, we've got a Facebook group you mentioned called Next Level Agents. I'm I'm super active in there. I'm not on Facebook, Facebook very much anymore because I took it off my phone except for Messenger. So if someone wanted to connect with me, they go there. They go to 
kevinandfred.com, which would probably just link you to all the places that I just mentioned. So that's where you can be fi- find me. Yeah, check it out. All of our listeners continue to follow Kevin and what he's doing. He is a great resource, opportunity to learn. And again, one of the things I appreciate you most, Kevin, is you're just your humility. Your humility to say, I don't know, and I'm continuing to learn too. And and as a leader, it draws people to say, I want to go on that journey with you. Um, and it inspires people. And so I appreciate that very much about you. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, man, We I, I took a ton away from it for sure. My pleasure, man. I'd love to run this back sometime. Let's connect again. I'm back to back like you guys. So I will, uh, we'll talk again soon, but seriously, thanks for having me on the show. And if I can ever do anything for anybody listening, please reach out. Thank you, Kevin. So to all the agents, if you're burnt out from the work you've been doing, discouraged by the results you've been receiving, or just want more time in your life for the ones you love, keep showing up so we can inspire you to find and pursue your way until next time. Hey everyone, this is Garrett Maroon jumping on again to say thank you for listening to the show. I hope you love this week's episode. And if you did, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and most importantly, send this to a friend that you think may be encouraged by it. And if you want to learn more about us, visit www.businessbyreferral.co and we would love to connect with you there. Thanks again for your support and we will see you next week.